know it's a lot. I thought about not doing it. But usually I take a, a passage of Scripture and pull out three, four points. What is God's Word saying right here? This morning it's a little bit different. We're, gonna, we're not going to take it verse by verse. We'll share a little bit and get some insight into what Moses says. But it's really it's recounting what we talked about last week. It's Moses uh, singing this song and recounting verses 1 through 12. He's sharing the story of what just happened. Um, and then the 13 through 21, he's taking, well, if that just happened, and he's applying it to the future. Man, that's a, I could preach on that just for a minute and look at how God delivered in the first 12 verses and say, that gives me the faith to head out into the desert <laughs> Right? Because that's what they're getting ready to do. Uh, so we could take that into our own lives and say, God, you've shown up over and over and over. Amen. This moment and this time, this season of uncertainty, that gives me the faith that I'm going to keep my trust in you. And I'm going to journey into the unknown. Um, but what I want, really want to talk about is not as much about what he said, but the fact that he said it. The fact that he did it. If you have your Bibles or a uh, your iPhone or iPad or one of those other things that's like a cell phone. It's called an Android or something. Um, uh, you, you can bring up your app and uh, you, can, you can look at these words with me. Uh, in chapter 15, I'm going to go ahead and read them right now. Uh, in verse 1, it says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. Uh, I love music. This chapter got me excited. Originally when I plotted out you know, what message and what scripture I was going to preach on, this wasn't one of them. But then I read it, and I was like, wait, this is fun. This is good, what Moses does right here. I, we can't miss this. Because uh, as soon as they came out on dry land, and God closed up the Red Sea on the Egyptian army, Moses and the Israelites broke out in song. And it says in the first line, uh, it says, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. You sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? That's the first 12. No, one more. You stretch out your right hand, the earth swallows your enemies. That's 1 through 12, verse 13. 
In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed in your strength. You will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. See, they, they'd gotten through the Red Sea, but their journey wasn't complete. They still had to get to Canaan, to the promised land. And so he began singing and saying, you know what, all the other enemies we have in front of us, they've seen what you've done. We can tell them what you've done. They're going to hear about it. They're going to be trembling and scared. It says, tear and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord. Until the people you bought pass by, you will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. In verse 18, Moses' song ends, the Lord reigns forever and ever. I'm going to read three more verses. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Listen to this in verse 20. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel or a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels or tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. This morning is about taking account of our lives and understanding, identifying, thinking about the victories that God has delivered. Let me ask this. When's the last time God did something so amazing in your life you could not contain, but you started uh, spontaneously singing praises to him and dancing? Just, just like you couldn't handle it. I got to dance this one out, God. You did it. And, and as I was thinking about it, I was, I was thinking, God, I, don't, I, I do that sometimes. You know, when I get excited, I'm pretty, uh, I'm a pretty, I can get my hands going. And even our, our kids, they make, they give them a little bit of a hard time. Rosie's got it when she gets excited in a movie or something. She gets up on the floor and she's going, or a ball game, you know, she's going, she's going at it. And I thought, man, Miriam here. She's gotten so excited. She's broke out her tambourine. She went all Pentecostal, and she broke out the tambourine, and she has started dancing. And I thought, when we worship on Sunday mornings, there's part of me wanted to preach this sermon and then have worship, and then see how many people danced. And I thought about how God created our bodies, and here at this moment in time, and our voices, and what we just did was a true. Uh, there's, God created our ability to sing. He, he created our bodies and ability to move. And there's no better thing that we can do with those gifts that he's given us but let the worship come out of us. And Miriam could not contain it. And I thought, we probably don't slow down enough to see the victories that God has done in our life. And they had work to do. They had a place to get to. And yet, they stopped and sang a song. They took a pause in their life and said, God, you just showed up today, and we want to praise you for it. We want to worship you for it. And I thought, you know what, my little boy, he gets this. He, uh, he gets it. That's what I said. See, he got up early in the morning. He wasn't real happy. And if you could see his face, it was kind of like this. 
But the music started playing, and something good and a good tone had come to his mind. I thought, he, he, he could not contain it. And it's just his hips started shaking. Look, I call that the 2020 wiggle. I'm pretty sure it's going to go viral. We're going to get to the end of this message. We're all going to practice it. Once you've, once you've figured out the list of things that God has given you victory in your life over and for. Couldn't you just watch that? I could just stop here and we watch this the rest of the day and everybody be good. But a victory song. What are the things in your life that God has given you victory over that are worth uh, celebrating? This time I'm not going to have three clean points that, that make sense. I'm just going to share uh, what is on my heart. Because there have been times in uh, Bethany and our, our personal life and our marriage and our family that God has just done some incredible things. Uh, I'm going to share a couple of those. I'll share a couple as it relates uh, to our church and where we are here. But here's what they took time to do. They took time to celebrate God, to acknowledge his greatness. Because here's the danger. Here's the danger. All good things that come into our life, where does the Bible say they came from? Above. All good gifts come from above. We will take the good things in our life, and, and if we fail to slow down and give thanks and show appreciation and, and, and get the 2020 wiggle going, we'll begin to think that was just by chance, or that we earned it, or that, you know, I worked hard for this, and that's why I got it. And we'll, we'll forget where it came from. We'll forget who our provider is really is because even I believe we're supposed to work hard but how do you work hard if you don't have a body <laughs> if you were never born if this earth does not exist any good thing we do ties back to our maker and so they do that they, they here he gets credit for good in their life this is what some of us would have done right in life if we would have been the children of Israel Moses and we'd come up to the Red Sea and we'd have been like, God, oh, we were standing there, and we were, the army was coming after us. We were going to die, and we don't know what happened. Just like this big wind came, and the, the sea split open, and we walked through, and it was crazy. I mean, we got all the way through, and then we got to the other side, and we thought we made it, but they're still coming through to us. And just by chance, at the right time, the wind quit blowing, and the sea crushed in and you know, killed our enemy by chance. Do you look at life that way or do you see every little incident as God's hand? And it's really easy to start saying, man, I was just so lucky I knew this guy that helped me get a job here. I, 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 I'm so lucky I met this, this, this girl or boy that became my spouse. I'm so, we're so lucky we had two kids or four kids or six kids. Or do we see God's presence and see that everything that's good comes from him. Moses starts the song that way, ready to share that he is, that God is their protector, that God is their provider, he's their defender, he's delivered them. They've not yet seen Canaan, but this one incident, they're slowing down long enough to say, you know, we've not made it to heaven, but I can pause today and say, God, you've done enough to show me I have hope in eternity. And that's exactly what they've done here. 
So let me share just a, a, a little bit, and uh, you guys have heard some of my stories over and over. This one I haven't really shared uh, in depth, and, and so you know that, um, that, that I shared at the beginning here and last week that God had just put on our heart uh, that it was time for me to transition out of SOAR. I've been there almost six years. Uh, God absolutely had his hand in me being there. I felt tons of purpose there. While I was there, I, I gave it everything I got while I was there. Uh, and I started feeling really two years ago, three years ago, and maybe from the beginning I shared with the elders of our church that at some point God's going to bring all this together. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know where it's going to be or what it's going to look like. Uh, and about, about midway through that, it was about three years ago, yeah, almost three years ago, um, it was a good job. I had a good job. still have a good job. I'm not finished until the end of October or end of September. Um, but Bethany, got, Bethany and I, we had it in our head that we needed a bigger house. And, uh, and you know, we, three bedroom, one and a half bath. How, how do people live with one full bathroom? How do you live with two kids with one full? You can't do that, right? That was, that was, that was just impossible. Uh, we'd, we'd, we'd turned one of our bedrooms into an, an office. And, uh, and so, which we only had one kid at the time, we had Rosie. And so we started feeling like we needed a bigger house and, and more space and a better place and all these things that we do as humans, right? I'm a pastor, but I'm a human. And we started down this journey, and there was this one house we looked at that uh, we loved. It was our dream house. We looked at it like two years before, and it, somebody else ended up buying it. And right about this time, we were feeling that burn again. We need some other place. We need a bigger place. We need these things. God's blessed us. We should get a bigger place. And, uh, and so uh, we, this house came back up for sale. We went over to look at it. Uh, the realtor met us there. And we got there, and he said, you know what? He said, somebody just placed uh, an offer on this today. He said, if you all want to buy it, you've got 20 minutes. So we walked outside, and we walked back in, and we said, all right, we're going to do it. So we bought this house. And me, me feeling all along that I needed to stay in a position, a financial position, that God was going to move me out of the job I was in. All right, this is ignorant, okay? <laughs> That's where we're at. And so we went, all right, let's do it. And so we ended up buying uh, this house. We moved. And we were going to try to sell our other house. And uh, Bethany loved the other house that we started in 15, 13, 12 years ago. I don't remember. Um, but it was a fixer-upper, Cape Cod, we love it. It's, it's just it's a place she loved and, um, and that I've grown to love. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and every time we'd show it to somebody to sell it, we'd leave and she'd be crying. I'd be like, we can't have that house and you not want to sell this house. And you know, we were going back and forth on this, and all of a sudden, uh, it wasn't by chance, but this couple showed up, they looked at her house, and uh, they said, we can't afford to buy it, but we'd rent it. And I thought, all right, that gives me still this window of opportunity to... Even then, I was thinking, we might end up back at this house. This is crazy things we're living and doing, okay? And so we rented it. Here's how God worked. We went one month in that house uh, with, without anybody renting it. And so they immediately moved in and started paying rent, which covered the mortgage and the, the payment we were making on it. And we moved to the other place. We'd been there. We ended up, we'd been to the other place about a year, and we both started saying, what have we done? You ever been there in life? What have we done? 
And uh, not that it was hard on us, but we knew that this wasn't the life we were intended to keep on, to stay in. And so we started talking. We thought, this could be the craziest thing anybody has ever done, to move into this bigger house, our dream house, the place we thought when we were moving in, this is where our grandkids are going to come. This is going to be it. Like, we never have to look for anything else ever. And, um, and so we started thinking, how are we going to sell this house? We've lived here a year. We're going to, like, financially, we're going to take a huge loss. If we get a realtor, they're going to take 6 or 7% by the time we... And so we started thinking through all those things. And finally, uh, we said, you know what? I'm going to call Nate, uh, real estate Nate. That's not a commercial. He didn't ask me to say that. Um, but he's the guy who sold it to us. He was the realtor. And I, I called him and I said, hey, listen, crazy things. We're going to try to sell this house. I don't want to list it, but if you, if you have somebody, I'd do like a, a one-time showing for you. I called him. It was maybe a Thursday or Friday. Is Beth in here? Do you remember the story? Was it Thursday or Friday? Friday. Called him on Friday. I said, hey, we might sell this house. He said, I got people looking right now. Can I show it tomorrow morning? And we said, oh, Lord. We had two kids at that point. And, uh, you know, if any of you are ready every Saturday morning for to show your house, you are better humans than us. And so we went home Friday evening and you know, got it all straightened up and, and he came and showed it on a Saturday morning. It was actually during Hillbilly Days, year before, because like, it wasn't this year, it was last year during Hillbilly Days. And uh, we had booths and stuff set up here at the church. And uh, he called us and he said, hey, these people want to make an offer. And we thought, this is crazy what God is doing. And, um, and we said, okay, we, we would entertain an offer. Uh, well, Amber, I think, was here at the church, my sister-in-law, and Kevin and Yutha, who are here. I'm going to cry. Stop it. Uh, Kevin and Yutha were here, and Kevin was just, uh, he was just finishing up med school, and they were looking for a house. And uh, she said something to them, and he went, you're, you're, they're selling their house. That's kind of right in the area we want to be. Our family's in Prestonsburg. I'm going to work in Prestonsburg. Kids are in school in Pike. We'll be about halfway. And went, yeah, you can go by and look at it. And uh, we'd left a key somewhere. So they went Saturday afternoon and evening. And um, and Bethany said, she told God, I'm praying, saying, if you want to sell this house, you're just going to have to make it happen. You're just going to have to sell it. We don't know how we're going to do this. And uh, they, were, I think they were already there that evening when we, when we went to the house. They'd been in, sat on the couch. And, um, and on the porch, he said, I think we want to buy your house. We're going to buy your house. Give us one night. And, uh, and the next day we came to church. It was a Sunday. He said, we're going to buy your house. We'll have an offer. One, we got to kick our renters out and we didn't want to do that in the wrong way. We started giving them like half rent and gave them 60 days. Technically, I wanted to give them 30. We gave them 60. Um, and, uh, Kevin and Yutha said, well, we're moving out of this house we're renting in. Pikeville. It'd probably be perfect for your renters. And I thought, there's no way this could work out. And so I messaged our renter and said, hey, the people who bought our house are moving out of a house in Pikeville. If you want to go look at it, here's the landlord's name. No joke, three-way house swap <laughs> in about four weeks. We moved into our old house. Kevin and Yutha moved into our new house, and our renters moved into their old rental. 
Every day we wake up in our house. I should do the 2020 wiggle. God didn't let us miss a mortgage. We had renter the whole time we were gone. I mean, he just, I know he's just looking like, God, Jerry, this is stupid, but you're going to learn. You're going to learn through this. I'm going to bless you through this. It's going to be okay through this, but this is dumb. And it put us in a position back in our other place that's not twice the house, not twice the mortgage, to put us in a place of freedom and flexibility when God said it's time to go. That I could just say, we're going. This church, this space, what God has done in this place and time and where we started. It just blows my mind. To think that we started uh, with 25 people. I didn't even know we were starting. I didn't even know God was starting a church, but we were there. And we've been from everywhere, from the Silver Sneakers room at the YMCA. To Jenny Wiley Theater, to the boardroom at UPike, to the band room at UPike. You all know the story. Our first service was in the band room at UPike. And in the same room where I met my wife, like 15 years before we had church service there. We sat in the same two desks during that service where we met. I mean, God does these things that are not coincidence in our lives. That he shows great purpose it's not by accident there's there's no coincidence that you that Moses here was believing that God was present in every situation and we come to 2020 and here I am saying I mean the, the difficult time for so many people businesses closing people losing jobs and God says I want you it's time it's time to resign and step away into other things and uh Thankfully, I could look back and say, well, you got our house sold. You've done that. You did this. You set me up for this moment. I'm ready to go into the desert. Both of us, Bethany, we're ready. Like, let's just go. I've never had faith at this level. I don't know what's out there. I don't know what's up next. But God does. He absolutely does. I don't want to go too far into the scripture. I kind of want to end right here, if that's okay. I used to preach a lot longer, so if it's your first time, you think, wow, he's a short preacher, we'll come back. You can do that. Just come back next week. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine, tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. Here's why I'm crying when I can't hardly read that. It says Miriam is the sister of Aaron. If you do enough research, you'll see she was also, Aaron was the brother of Moses. That means Miriam is the sister of Moses. Later on in the Old Testament, we find out that Moses only had one sister. Do you remember? Do you remember where we started? With a young little girl, a big sister, who had enough faith to stand by the river while her mom placed her new baby brother into a basket into the river. She stood there and waited, and she saw God work in a miraculous way that young in Moses' life. That she was there. She believed in him. She, she went to Pharaoh's daughter, remember the princess, and said, Hey, you want me to take him to a 
Let me take him to a, a Hebrew mother that can nurse him. And she saw the faith of her mother who put Moses in, who was only hoping maybe that he might survive. Never dreamed he'd become a prince and then be the leader that God chose to lead them out of captivity and out of, out, into freedom. That's Miriam. Maybe 90 years old, I'm guessing, at this point. Moses, he spent 40 years in Egypt, 40 years uh, you know, with his wife uh, in the desert. He was about 80 when he came back and went through the plagues. And, and now they're at the Red Sea, he's somewhere around 80. Miriam was older. We don't know. She might be 82, 85. I don't know. But here she is her entire life. And she's seen God work in miraculous ways. And she could not contain it. <laughs> she needed a tambourine. She needed to be dancing. She wanted to be singing, talking about what God had done for her and her people. Our hope for the future is found in understanding his actions in the past, what God has done for us. Remember what he's done for you. I'd like for you to just think, take a few minutes as I'm closing up here. What are the stories? Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you can't see his presence in your life, but I can promise you he's pursuing you. He leaves the 99 to find the one. We're all that one. He all pursued us and he's calling us and he's come after us. And so maybe you can't see the very present things in your life as a Christian that God has just shown up over and over like some of us who have been Christians for years, decades can. Um, but there's one victory. There's one victory he's won. Because you see, we're all human beings. We're born into sin. And because of that, because of our own actions, our own decisions... We're separated from God. Can't communicate with Him. A holy God doesn't work well with an unholy person. We're destined for hell. No hope for heaven. Because only perfection and holiness, righteousness. Go to heaven. But there was one victory. <laughs> that no matter what else in our life... It, 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 Listen to this. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. It, it doesn't matter if, if everything is not perfect right now in this life. But suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because while we were born into this, and we had no hope for heaven, God is a way maker. He came in the flesh, as the Son, Jesus, he did what none of us could do. And that's what they're singing about here. This is what Moses is singing about, right? God has done what none of us could do. We could not bury these chariots and the, these officials and this army. We could not do this, so we are going to sing. We cannot get to heaven on our own. You can't do it. You can't work hard enough. You can't give enough. You can't try to be good enough. You just cannot do it. Our only hope is faith in Jesus Christ 
and by the grace of God. So you see that righteousness, the filthiness that we are, no matter, it doesn't matter if you're the, you, you, know, you put on a face and you're the best, everybody thinks you're the best Christian because you just do everything right. In your heart, you will fail. I promise. You'll be like me and you'll be saying, I need, you can't live with one bathroom, God. How do you expect us to do this? I have to wait 10 minutes. Our hope is in him. That's enough victory. We should every day, regardless of our circumstances, say, I have hope for heaven. God, I was in a hopeless state. And while I was a, a sinner, you died for me. You show, in your resurrection, you had victory over death, the thing that I'm cursed by because I'm a sinner. I, I have the curse of death. And when we were saying, singing freedom, when we're getting ready to sing freedom, it's not, it's not freedom from the law and all the rules. It's freedom from the curse of the law, freedom, which is death, which is eternal death, eternal separation from God. But because we can put our faith in him, not only does it say us forward in heaven, but he gives us purpose today. Right now in our life, you become a child of God, making a difference, an opportunity for him to be in and about and present in our communities that so desperately need hope and love. And that's what he's called us to be. That's what Miriam's saying. Sing to the Lord. For he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider. He is thrown into the sea. This morning, whatever's chasing you. Whatever the devil's using to come after you, to tempt you, to frustrate you, to discourage you. And maybe it's pride maybe it's you think you know enough you've done enough you're good enough the devil will use that too whatever he's using let me tell you god can swallow it up <laughs> he can quench it out you put your faith in him he can throw it into the sea all he's asking he's saying just come unto me come unto me and you'll find rest for your souls we're going to close with a song this morning